The following podcast is produced and syndicated by Influencer Podcast Network. Become a podcast star. Go to InfluencerPodcastNetwork.com. Because dating isn't always great. I'm Amy Helt, and this is the Dating Disasters Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Dating Disasters Podcast. I'm Amy, and today I'm going to share with you one of my most personal stories about a dating disaster. And to be honest, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't talk about this very much, but it definitely has shaped how I date and who I date. I learned a lot in this experience, and it's not just a date that we're talking about. It's an actual relationship. When I first hopped on the podcast, so in episode one and episode two, I talked a little bit about you know dating disasters and how a lot of times they're really funny, but sometimes they can be really tragic, really just disappointing, just kind of heartbreaking. And there are some funny elements to my story. You might know a person just like the one I'm going to describe. And that sort of makes it funny to think that people are out there like this. But if you've ever been in this situation, there's really nothing funny about it. It just really teaches you to be focused and be strong and fearless and to make really good decisions for yourself once you find yourself in a crappy situation. So in, in my stories, I don't use the person's name, of course, because should you happen to know them, which you never know, the world's really not that big, I wouldn't want anything I would say to cloud somebody's judgment. And you can only judge a person on how they treat you. So I honestly don't even have a nickname for this guy, so I just won't name him at all. And we're going to talk about his mommy issues. And I even said in the description of this podcast that I really think mommy issues needs to be as much of a thing as daddy issues. Everybody's always talking about that, right? But there are plenty of people who have issues with their moms, men and women, and it greatly affects how they operate in relationships. And I didn't really have much experience with that. Um, the majority of the men that I had dated prior to this did not have parents who were still together, which is kind of an interesting thing. I don't know why. I don't know if it was something, it's a characteristic maybe that I, I look for and it just happened that their parents weren't together. I don't know. I'm not sure. Or maybe, you know, they were drawn to me because my parents are together. You know, those situations and those circumstances when you're a kid really do affect you for the rest of your life. And I have to say that it's really, really sad when you interact with an adult who still is just so hung up and trying so hard to be just gold in their parents' eyes. And in my situation, that's kind of what was happening. So I'll start from the beginning because I think it's important to kind of understand how this all came around and and put all the pieces together. So again, it goes right back to online dating. That really, you know, for those of you that know me, I'm a huge fan of it. I think it's an amazing way to meet somebody because you're not limited by time or space, really, or distance. I had certain strategies, and I talk about them. I talk about my online program, OnlineDatingResults.com. You can head over there and download some of my free dating tips. I talk about the importance of having a strategy, of knowing what you're looking for, and then searching in a particular way online so you find it. Because, you know, you're not going to find it if you don't know what it is. So at this point, when I'm online dating, I have a really solid, very clear idea of the kind of person I'm looking for, the kind of person I'm compatible with. And there happens to be this guy, we exchange emails, you know, I read his profile, everything lined up with what I was looking for. 
We exchange emails and telephone numbers. And probably, if I recall, it was the same day or the day after that we had exchanged numbers that he had called me to talk. We had a great conversation, and he wanted to make plans for the next day. So I laugh about this part now because being a woman, I don't just take a shower and throw in my dress and off I go to the date. You know, um, if you're one of those girls, you're lucky, man, you're lucky. No, I, I need some prep time. I need to, to invest some time during the week to get put back together, especially if it's, you know, it's been a week or two since I've had my nails done or my spray tan, because it's important to me to make a really positive impression and to feel really good about myself. When I go on a date, I like to be in a space where I'm comfortable and I feel good. I like how I look. And I'm not, you know, fidgeting with my dress or, you know, worrying about if my bronzer is going to rub off on my, you know, shoe, stuff like that. Or wearing a closed toe shoe because I didn't have time to get a pedicure. You know, I do know that appearance does matter. It is certainly not the only thing that does. And when you're in a relationship with somebody, it cannot be the basis of it. But when you're making an introduction, a good appearance, just like a job interview, really makes a difference. And you might not think that people are looking at small things like your feet or your hands, but they are. So uh, that's just my kind of PSA for today. Get your act together before you go out on a date because it is sort of like a job interview. So I couldn't, you know, get all my stuff done in one afternoon. So I had to delay the date by just a day or two. But I really liked that we had a great conversation and he was making plans to meet. And it was dinner. I didn't have to suggest anything. It was dinner. We were going to block off a certain amount of time just to kind of talk and get to know each other, which is great. That's honestly my ideal date. Now, at this point in my life, I don't even remember. As I'm, I'm thinking about it now, as I'm telling the story, I don't remember where the first date was. It's been quite some time since this happened. So I do know, though, that the date went well because there were several dates after that. Dates where we would just kind of hang out. Sometimes we'd go places. Sometimes I would just go over to his house. I was really impressed by just who he was as a person. He, as I was getting to know him, seemed like just a really good human. You know, we talked about animals and I love animals. As a matter of fact, my boyfriend and I now have seven pets, so I really love them. <laughs> And we volunteer in the community. So that was a, a quality, an interest that was really, really important to me in somebody. And this guy had it. And I remember, you know, there was one night when I was at his house and I was going to go home. And I needed to stop at the gas station. So he rode along with me. It was just maybe a block away. Rode along with me, pumped the gas, paid for it. And then I dropped him back off at home just so I wouldn't be by myself. And I remember at Christmas time, he was going to be on the East Coast and so was I, but we weren't going to be in the same place. So he sent me in my suitcase with a bunch of presents for my family and me, which I thought was really great. Very thoughtful, very concerned, very interested and very mature. Really the kind of person that I was looking to have a relationship with. Because I was getting to know him and I was so impressed by these really positive qualities, and they are really positive qualities. I don't want to take anything away from that. But I was missing, I think, some red flags that I probably should have been paying better attention to and just wasn't. And it wasn't anything super obvious, but they were little things that as I looked back, I thought, oh, okay, there I kind of see the start of it. I don't think controlling is the word, but I think definitely liking the situation how he likes it is the word. Seeing things like finally getting home from work here in Las Vegas on a day when we had a snowstorm. And because, yeah, by the way, we do have them here once in a while, not often. But a journey that normally would take me 15 or 20 minutes took me an hour and a half. And I remember walking up the stairs to my condo and the snow being so deep 
that I was stepping in it and it was actually over my ankles and I didn't have boots on. <laughs> you know, why would I? I live in the desert. I just had regular shoes on. And I had finally gotten home and he had called me and wanted to see if I wanted to come over and eat dinner. And you know what? I didn't want to. I had just gotten home. The last thing I wanted to do was shower and change and go back out at night in the snow. And he really didn't understand that. You could tell the tone of his voice on the phone changed. He got annoyed. He got like me when I'm really tired and really hungry and somebody asks me something. And I remember thinking, that's kind of weird, but I mean, I don't, whatever, you know, I don't want to go out. It's, you know, it's also, I don't want to be driving at night in the snow here. They don't know how to plow streets. You know, I started to think, hmm, he's not really that worried about what's going on with me. He's really worried about what's going on with himself. And that was kind of my first indication. There were others to follow for sure. Little things like that, little things that you could kind of explain away. And when you're dating, you're not always compatible on everything. It's good to meet somebody who's different than you because that's how you learn and that's how you experience new things. You know, I just kind of blew it off. I was like, well, I mean, I get tired and cranky too, so whatever. But I thought it was kind of weird from a guy who I felt was so mature and so together. We continue to date. And every once in a while, this little behavior would sort of flare up and, you know, again, whatever, I get tired too, so, and annoyed, and it's not that big of a deal. We would talk about our families, and I'm very open about mine. I'm blessed to have really, really a great, great family. I had a great, very positive childhood, and I have a really great family still, and it helps me make different choices, I guess, because I operate from a different space. He was telling me about his family and his father had passed away a few years prior to that, which was very unfortunate. And his mother had remarried and he would share with me some stuff about the guy. And it was more like I got the impression the guy really didn't want to work very much. And the mother was older. So really, they were at a point where they both should probably be retired and enjoying themselves. You know, there didn't seem to be a lot of that going on. There seemed to be some money issues in that the current husband wasn't providing for his family. I mean, I guess. I didn't think much of that either because that's just life. Their families have one of my clients. I love it. He says everybody has WFS. And I asked him what that was one day weird family shit. And it's true. Everybody has something screwed up about how they do things. I have a great family. My parents are together. We still have weird family shit. And, you know, when you're dealing with us, if you don't know it, it can make it kind of unusual. You can be kind of confused. So when he was telling me about this relationship that his mom and this guy have, and okay, again, not, not my relationship, not what I'm worried about. And, all right. Talking about his dad. It turned out that his dad was abusive and very, very um, angry, forceful personality. And again, I'm just going off of what he told me. I didn't get to meet the man, but this is the impression that he, he left on his kid. And he had been like that since, you know, this man that I know was a child. He and his brother used to hide when they would know that his dad was on his way home from work because he knew there was going to be a problem. So he did grow up in a household with a lot of tension, a lot of anger, not peaceful. And when you're a kid, that's really damaging. So as he's telling me this stuff again, I'm thinking, oh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have that. And that's not a reason to judge somebody or not have a relationship with them. I feel like bad relationships with parents, honestly, are more the norm these days than a good relationship. The problem was when I was listening to him talk and listening to him kind of outline his family, I really did not understand how that affected his dynamic with his mom still. And and what that relationship was and, and what was really going on. You know, he wasn't 
born in the U.S. He was from Britain. His mom didn't live here, which is interesting and kind of cool. And okay, so am I ever going to get to meet her? I'm wondering because, you know, when you're dating, meeting the parents is a big deal. You want to make a nice impression. And we would talk about it sometimes and, and it was just normal discussions. So again, I'm just kind of trucking along. Nothing seems super weird. If I feel like there's a red flag, it's easy to explain away at this point. Our relationship progresses and we talk about moving in together, which is something I was interested in doing. And I think it's, it's valuable to note at this point, when I met him, I was working. I had a, a very good career in medical and surgical device. At this time, I was in a job. I liked the company, but I was traveling constantly. It was constant. There was no end in sight. I covered six states. And if any of you travel like that for work, it's four to five days a week, every week, unless it's the lucky week where you get to cover your territory where you actually live. And I really didn't want to be doing it anymore. I wanted to quit, but I also really didn't want to get into that same position with a different job. So my focus really at that point was not where it wanted to be. My focus definitely was on taking this opportunity to build a relationship, to focus on that part of my life so I don't have to do all the travel anymore, which If you are a woman and you're a professional, I don't recommend. I think, or even if you're a guy and you're a professional, I don't think it's a smart idea. I think it's, you're better served to find a way to, to work and earn money so you can have the things you want on your own independently and just find a way to do that, that you enjoy. As I looked back on this relationship years later, I think I explained away the red flags because I wanted the relationship. On the outside, it was exactly what I had been looking for, which also meant I wouldn't have to do the job I was doing. And I wouldn't have to worry about how I was doing at work, commissions or sales-wise, because I wasn't going to have to carry the boat. And that's what I really wanted. So I think at the time, it made it easier for me to explain away these red flags. And when the conversation came up about moving in together, I was all for it. He had a really great house in a really nice part of Las Vegas. It was quiet. It was peaceful. You know, I had pets at the time. I had three cats and he didn't have pets. So there was none of that concern of, did the pets have to meet? And, you know, he wasn't allergic to cats. He had been to my house and liked the cats. We had volunteered over Thanksgiving at an animal sanctuary So, you know, he liked animals, perfect. It really, to me, I mean, I couldn't believe this was great because I I thought he was a really great human. You know, remember the red flags, I could easily explain them away. In a relationship, you're never going to have perfection. You are always, always going to have trade-offs. There are always going to be things people don't like about you and that you don't like about other people. That's okay. Nobody needs to change. You just need to know who you're dealing with so you can plan and operate accordingly. And you can make the choice maybe whether you continue the relationship or not. So I didn't think these little red flags, these differences, these things that just, I don't know, to other people maybe might have been obvious. I didn't think they were a big deal. I, am a, I was a huge believer, and I still am, of going with my gut. And I felt like, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. The problem now as I see it is that I really did have ulterior motives. It wasn't just driven by this relationship with this human. It was driven by a lot of outside factors. Like I mentioned at Christmas time, you know, we had decided before Christmas to move in that when we both got back from Christmas, we would start to move my stuff in. And I was so excited. My family, of course, thought it was a little soon. And I mean, it was, but I was in my 30s. I have a good bit of life experience. I know what I'm looking for, and I'm going to take this opportunity. To me, if you don't take the opportunity, you never know what it might have been. And sometimes it sucks, as as we continue on here, you'll see. But sometimes it doesn't. But even when it sucked, it teaches you a really important lesson. So 
I wasn't deterred by my family who was like, hey, maybe don't quit your job so soon. Hey, maybe, you know, wait till the end of your lease. What's the rush? To me, I just laughed. I was like, well, why wait? You know, I'm ready to go. Let's go. When he came to my parents' house at Christmas, he had been on the East Coast anyway, like I mentioned a few minutes ago. He was on the East Coast visiting one of his closest friends. She happened to be a woman. No big deal. One of my closest friends is a guy too. He will actually be a guest on an upcoming podcast because um, he has some amazing disasters too. But I didn't think it was weird. What I thought was weird was she was actually a sorority sister of mine from where I went to school. And I remember him talking about her and he would often, you know, he'd say her name in conversation. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an unusual name. And that was one of my sorority sisters. That was her name. And she was kind of an asshole. Turns out it was that same person. And I really just was completely shocked. I couldn't believe it. But he had met her on spring break or something. They had been friends for years. Okay, you know, I'm not gonna have somebody tell me who I can be friends with. I just remember thinking how she treated me when I was a pledge and my impression of her. And it kind of surprised me that he would find, you know, a, a person like that, that that's who he would choose to be friends with. He told me the story of, of their friendship and their situation now. And again, it wasn't, I didn't think it was weird at all. No problem. Sailing right along. So when we were both on the East Coast, he was actually on the East Coast visiting his friend and her family for Christmas, as he would do every year, because he wouldn't go home to his parents. And I was at my parents' house. So he decided to, from New Jersey, where he was, and I was in Pennsylvania, he would just fly over, you know, a day or two after Christmas, because I was still going to be home for four days, and we would stay at my parents' house. He could meet them, which is a big deal right? You want to go to somebody's house over a holiday and that's your first meeting. That's pretty mature and brave and all these good things. So that's what we did. And we had a couple days at my parents' house where, you know, he was fine. But again, these red flags and these little behaviors started to come up. So I don't know about you guys, but if I'm at somebody's house, even my best friend's house, who I've known since the fourth grade, you know, I'm very comfortable there for sure. And I think when you're, you're at someone's house, the goal, if you're the host, should be for the person to feel comfortable, to feel welcome. But you're also meeting your girlfriend's parents for the first time over a holiday. I'm not so sure that sleeping until noon is the best course of action here. It's not really the best way to go. Now, there are factors to consider, you know, if you had to, a long flight, um, you know, now when I go home, I sleep longer, of course, just it's quiet, it's peaceful, it depends where I'm coming from. But I've also been in this relationship for six years. So there is a level of comfort. It's like, you know, my boyfriend now is just one of us. So you want to take a nap, you take a nap, no big deal. Go in the fridge, help yourself, take the car. It's not like that at a first meeting. At a first meeting, you want to make a positive impression. And that just kind of seemed weird. It seemed weird even to me. I thought it was kind of rude. Um, I couldn't understand either because he wasn't rude outwardly. So that's just a weird thing to do. And there was one morning where he, you know, woke up at noon and went downstairs and my dad was in the dining room and asked him if he wanted breakfast because it's noon, that's your first meal of the day, uh, and offered to make him an omelet. And the guy was like, oh, sure. And I'd like in it capers and ham and salsa and it gave him this list so okay my parents i grew up in central pennsylvania right so if you're familiar with that area we're pretty basic there we're pretty simple they're branching out now because i'm vegan so that's cool you know there's a variety of stuff now that's good but we're not talking gourmet all right and even when i was growing up we were talking homemade good food but it was by no means gourmet and here you have this guy ordering as though he's ordering from a menu. What are we doing? So again, kind of weird. And my dad really didn't know what to say, but my dad is funny and relaxed and laid back, so kind of cracked a joke, and the guy got an omelet with ham and cheese, and he ate it. But I started to see these behaviors, and when we came back to Las Vegas and we started to move stuff, I started to see more of these behaviors. 
almost an inability to take the lead in a positive way, if that makes sense. Not wanting to do maybe the really hard work, which meant I was going to have to do it, which in my own life I would have to do as a single girl. But when I have a partner, I don't want to be the one to have to do the really hard stuff. I moved in and I still got these red flags going. And as we're moving my stuff in, all of my stuff, he mentions that his mom is coming to visit. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome because, you know, there's, pl there's plenty of room. It's, it's a four-bedroom house, plenty of room. And I'm looking forward to meeting her and, you know, letting her visit now where I live. This is now my house. I live here. And not my house, obviously, legally but, or financially, but I live here. And she'll be our first guest. That'll be really cool. And he told me that she was staying for about two weeks. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of long because I don't know her and she's in our space. But, you know, okay, she's coming from across the world. So that makes sense. So I'm unpacking things and, you know, we're putting up some Christmas decorations because it's still just right after New Year's. And we're already starting to have some logistical issues with my cats. Because if you have cats you know that when you move, you're supposed to keep them more contained, more in a smaller area so they don't get overwhelmed and so they can get their bearings. So I'm not sure why we thought this was a good idea, but the master bedroom became the area for the cats, which is awesome, except that it was a new space for them. So they were, you know, exploring and anxious. They like to open cabinets at all hours of the day and night. And they like to run around. So we didn't sleep peacefully for probably the first week I was there until we could find another smaller space for them to be in. But in that experience, what I learned was that he really doesn't like cats. He really doesn't want animals in his house because it went from them being in the master bedroom just to kind of start out to them being moved to a guest room at night, which again, if you have cats, they just kind of do their own thing. That's why they're cool. They're pretty low maintenance and they just kind of have their own lives and you all are just like hanging out together, but they have their own shit going on and you don't need to worry about it and they don't like to be contained. So he thought putting them in the guest bedroom was an awesome idea. Then he worried about the guest bedroom carpet because what if they pee on the carpet? So, okay, I guess valid concern if you don't have cats, but my cats don't do that. I've had them at this point for like 10 years. I have had zero problems in all the times I've moved. Big moves, little moves, nothing has ever happened. They, they know what's up. They, they have it going on. He decides one night to bring over a tarp to put in the guest room on the carpets. So the cats won't ruin the carpets because when they're in the guest room at night, they spend the entire night now meowing at the door because they don't want to be in the guest room. They want to be by their owner and they want to hang out. They don't want to be cut off essentially from the rest of the world. He was putting this tarp down and had to have his friend come over and it was a thing. And, and I'm just looking at it and I'm thinking, my God, what am I doing? This guy, like these are only cats, like what's happening? So here now, this, this really um, stable, calm, um, mature, animal-loving facade is starting to, now I'm kind of like, uh-oh, now this is not just a red flag. This is just insanity. This is ridiculous. But I'm like, but I have the, you know, these are my cats. They're not going anywhere. And now I live here. So, oh my God, like, what do I do? Because this is not what we're doing. And in the meantime... His mom arrives. So we're still getting settled, trying to get this cat thing worked out. He's putting down the tarp. She gets there. And I find out she's not staying for two weeks. Oh, no, no, my friend. She's staying for three months. And I'm like, what? hold on. What is happening here? So now we've got a lot going on. And I've never been in this situation before, so I'm not super sure how to handle it. In the interactions with his mom, I start to see their relationship. Because remember, I hadn't met her. I just saw these little red flags about his behavior that seemed weird. 
I've now seen the cat tarp fiasco, which, I mean, I don't think that's related to his issues of his mom, but kind of, because she was complaining about the cats. And she complained, and he was trying to fix it. But none of them were the owners of the cats that were getting complained about. They're my responsibility. That's my job to, to not make a problem and to fix it and to determine how it's done because they are my pets still. They are not his, they're mine. And it just completely went into the shitter from there. You know, you're meeting a mom, you want to have a positive first impression, and the really unusual thing about her was there were some nights, because he would travel for work actually, he lived in Las Vegas, but he worked in Houston for an oil company, and which again, right there, if you know me, that's a questionable ethics move for me, so that was a red flag too that I chose to ignore. Um, but he would travel, he would just fly during the week because he wanted to live in Las Vegas. Okay, seems weird. Again, maybe a red flag, but whatever. But he, he claimed that, you know, to his work that this home in Las Vegas where he lived was just a vacation home. So, okay, this, you wanna spend money every week on a, a ticket? Okay, and it kind of gives me my space during the week to do my own thing and get settled. And, and so again, not a big deal until I, we're living together and I'm left with his mom. Can you imagine what kind of nightmare this is? This is a weird situation with a mom that's cool and a mom that knows she's a guest. And you know, when my mom comes to visit me, she is a guest for sure. So she doesn't make critical housing decisions. She, you know, defaults to Sean or me because we are the ones who live here. She doesn't. She feels very comfortable so she doesn't completely act like a guest, but when it comes to the daily runnings, the way things are set up, she's, you know, she, she respects that she's in someone else's house. Just like when I'm there, I still have my bedroom, but I mean, I don't start moving stuff where I want it. It's her house and my dad's house. They have it that way for a reason, but not his mom. Oh no. Oh no, no. She started right away. I would come home and things that are mine that are part now of the house and the decor are just completely gone. It was like every day she was erasing that I live there. And I was like, hold on, what's going on here? And I would call my boyfriend and I'm like, okay, listen, you know, I don't know her well enough, but you need to tell her I live here. This is my address. This is where I get mail. She doesn't stop touching my shit. Stop touching my shit. So that wasn't working. And then at the same time, I was letting the cats out to kind of roam around and he had this sofa and you know, cats and sofas don't go together. I completely agree. You have to be careful. Uh, he had a sofa that he had purchased with some money he got from his dad. So it had sentimental value. Uh, it was not the sofa I would have picked, but our taste was different. No problem. We had this thing about the sofa and the cats. So his mom, one day when I came home, you know, all my other stuff is, go is just gone. My photo album that was on the living room table, just gone. She had decided to cover the sofa to help me so I wouldn't be so stressed out about the cats and the sofa. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so wonderful. Like she really gives a shit. She really wants to see this relationship succeed. And it was so confusing for me because she'd have flashes like that or we'd have these late night talks. You know, if we couldn't sleep, we would just chit chat and she was getting to know me and I was getting to know her. But then there were times where I'd be on a private phone call in the master bedroom with the door closed and she actually busted in and started screaming at me about I'm insulting her son and she's going to tell him and who do I think I am living in her house. And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? I was actually talking to my college roommate who I'm still very good friends with about some guy that she works with. But it makes me kind of wonder that if I'm laughing and saying, oh my God, what a loser, I can't believe it. And you think I'm talking about your son? What do you think about your son? What's going on? And then, you know, that happens. I have to end my phone call, find out what the hell she's doing, call him. You know, he apparently told her 
to go in and see what I was talking about, which was none of anybody's business. I'm loud by nature. So, you know, I recognize that you're probably going to hear my conversation. I'm not stupid. When I talk about your son, lady, I'm down the street in my car. I'm not talking about him in front of you. How dumb do you think I am? But it was this pattern. It was this pattern of her wanting to control everything and seeing me as the threat. And I started to notice, I mean, I noticed what was happening, but there was a, a definite, it was ongoing and he was supporting it. And I was like, how can this fucking be? I mean, you have to pick a side here and you moved me in. So I know I'm not at the same level as your mom, but if she's attacking me like that, what, and you're not saying anything? So now he's in the middle. And I mean, first, nobody likes to be in the middle, but hey, dummy, you're in the middle because you put yourself there. So now it turned into about two months, maybe a month. It was, this was probably over the course of a month because it seemed like freaking forever, honestly. Behaviors like this, constantly trying to erase me, leaving a mess in the entire house and then her running off to like hang out with her friends. Her making snide comments like, oh, I didn't think you were coming home tonight if I was out with one of my friends. I mean, I live there, so yeah. And it just created a really, really bad situation. But what I started to see was I couldn't understand why he wasn't putting a stop to it. I couldn't understand why it wasn't happening. You know, mothers in dating relationships can be overbearing. They can be opinionated. They can be jerks sometimes. I hope someday I'm not that mom, but they can be. And if they are your mom, it becomes your job to tell them to back up. And you can totally do that in a respectful way. But if it is your mom or your dad, but in this case, your mom, it is your job. It is not your partner's job to tell the person, stop, you're overstepping, not your place, get your act together. And he refused to do it. And I could not figure it out. And then I started to understand more about the relationship she had with her husband. I started to learn more about the money that my boyfriend would give her. And I started to see their relationship. And when she would talk about him, it, he was an attorney. So it was always just this big deal that he's this attorney. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. You have to be pretty smart. You have to go to law school. You have to have, be dedicated. Not every attorney is the same. Some are really smart. Some aren't. It's, you know, it's just the way it goes. I know attorneys on both ends of the spectrum. Do I think this guy was particularly smart? No. I think he got a really cushy job where he wasn't very busy uh, with an oil company. Got paid really well to not really do very much. I don't think he really got to use his skill. You know, it's a big deal. It's a big job. And his mom was so impressed by it and just would talk about it. And I started to understand that she viewed me as the person who was in the way of her son always providing for her. And I remember the night when I realized that I was standing in the kitchen and she said something and I was like, hold on, wait a second. Oh my God, that's what's happening. Because I had never experienced this before. I had always been in relationships where I had a good relationship with my boyfriend's mom. I didn't know what, what the hell's going on here. And what he's doing nothing. He's just kind of standing by. And I really started to see that he was never going to stop her because everything he had become that she would always brag about, he did because he so badly wanted her approval. And it's okay to want your parents to be proud of you and want their approval. I think on some level, all of us do that. But this was watching this complete clusterfuck and this toxicity. That's not what you want. There was one day I was up in the, in the closet getting something and I heard this yelling from downstairs and I kind of went to the stairwell to listen. They were having it out in the kitchen about something completely not related to the problems she was causing in our house or in our relationship. I think they were fighting about his brother or something, obviously. Uh, and I was out leaving to go shopping and my sunglasses were on the kitchen island. No way in hell was I going in there to get them. I hightailed it out the front door and was just glad to make it out unscathed. It was even, you know, his brother. She was like saying something good about his brother. And he, he, oh, you're not talking about me. 
It was amazing to watch this. And the crazy part is, I didn't even see it until this bullshit had been going on for probably three weeks. I couldn't even see it until, and I don't remember what she said, that in that moment I could just connect it. I'm like, oh my God, you want him to support you and you think he's doing that for me. And he, all he wants to do, he lives to keep you happy and proud of him. And how ridiculous, you know, and I kept thinking, lady, you have a husband. I can't help it. You picked the wrong guy. But you have a husband. That's his job. That's not your kid's job. And we're never going to be able to have a life or a relationship because she's always going to stand in the way. And it turns out, you know, over time, I connected more dots. And I really think as I stepped, uh, I ended up leaving. I couldn't take it anymore. You know, his mom did actually go back to Britain early. She went back about a month early after I actually had to temporarily move out because I just could not even be in the same space that she was. And she wanted to just take over the house. And at that time, I had quit my job. I didn't have an option. So people, when I talk about having options, you know, I have really strong resources and I can get really creative. But when you need to be quick, you need to have options, whether it's that you stack some money on the side, always have an escape plan. We're going to talk about that in another upcoming podcast. Always know where the emergency exit is because you might need to use it, whether you think you're going to need it or not. But it got so bad that I couldn't even stay there unless he was there and he was gone, you know, during the week. So I would have to leave. But again, why are we doing that? Why is the mom not in the hotel? Because the mom thinks she's in her house. She thinks she owns part of it because he has it and she's his mom. She ended up going back, I think a month early. By then I had already seen the picture of who he was and the damage really had already been done because I just couldn't believe that somebody was so focused on just living a life that their mom could brag about that they would sacrifice everything else. There were other red flags in our relationship too, and I won't go into really personal details. This is a lot anyway for me to share because it was a really, really hard time in my life. Fortunately, all of this happened in the course of about three months, so it was a very short time in my life, thank God. So there were things that I know being a woman and being in a relationship are not, uh, not run-of-the-mill. I had not experienced it before, so I know that it didn't have anything to do with me. And I really believe that this guy, to this day, if his mother is still alive, he is living a life that he, that's not who he is. He doesn't want to live it. He's living it for her approval. Because if he got to be who he really is, she would disown him. And that really made me sad. As difficult as that relationship was, it ended up with me actually moving out my cousin who lived here, who was in the Air Force, and my ex-boyfriend, who I'm still very, very good friends with. We met actually online. The breakup wasn't so awesome, but years later, we are still really good friends. They showed up to move me out when he wasn't there. So I wouldn't have to deal with him. And we moved everything in one day. My biggest concern was the U-Haul truck sitting in the driveway and that he would call one of his friends to drive by and kind of see if I was doing anything because he liked to check up. And I got really lucky. I got the cats out first. They were my biggest concern, their safety. I was always worried that, their mo that his mom was going to accidentally, in air quotes, leave the door open and then there go my cats. I began to fear for my own safety because he was also someone who could not manage his emotions properly. I didn't see that. Actually, I did. Correction. I did in those phone conversations where he would get kind of cranky. Those were the flickers of it that I chose to ignore. And I remember one day we had a stairwell at the front of our house and I was at the top of the stairs and we were arguing about something, yelling, which, you know, you yell, you yell. That's cool. No big deal. And I remember him uh, there was a hallway in front of me and he was walking past me on the hallway. And I remember thinking, I either need to get away from the stairs or I need to stop yelling because I've learned 
that he doesn't manage emotion well and is very immature emotionally, not emotionally developed. I saw that in his relationship with his mom in those interactions. And he's going to get mad and be like, eh, like a spoiled kid who's pissed and shove me and I'm going to go flying down the stairs and be killed. When you start thinking like that, guys, you need to remove yourself from the situation, remove yourself, your kids, and your pets as quickly as possible. It's serious. And it doesn't matter if it's kind of an abundance of caution. If you even think that, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. And you need to be able to be in a safe environment. And that includes you and your children and your pets. And there are resources for that. So if I'm talking to somebody today who maybe feels that way, there doesn't have to be the actual, he never laid a hand on me, right? So there doesn't have to be that. You don't have to let it escalate to that. There are signs that kind of lead up to it. And there are behaviors. And you don't need to be in that situation. And I remember at that moment, I was like, I, yeah, I got it. I got to go. I have to figure this out. And I felt that if I left when he was there, he would give me a lot of problems and make it really complicated. And I didn't want him to know where I was going because clearly this entire debacle was a mistake. You know, clearly I had jumped in too soon. I had had the wrong priorities. It's a really important lesson that I learned. So that day when he was working in Houston, it was a Saturday. I had my cousin, my good friend, they took everything out, loaded it up, off we went, brought me to my new place. And I went back that night. I had one little like pile of stuff to, to still bring. My mom was flying in the next day to help me get me settled into my new place. And I remember I was sweeping out. We had a casita and I was sweeping the floor because I wanted everything to be clean. I didn't want him for one minute to have, I didn't want there to be a, a piece of dust for him to come back and say that I did something wrong and blame me. And he called me and I was like, shit. Because I wasn't going to stay there that night. You know, I was already in my new place. And I didn't answer because I didn't, I didn't want to talk to him and I didn't want to really have to lie. So the next morning, my mom came, got her at the airport, went to the house, got the last of my stuff. We made sure everything was perfect. And I got back in the car and I sent him a text message that said, you know, you've created this really unstable environment. I no longer feel safe. I've moved out. Don't contact me. The key is in the mail. I sent the text. I turned off the phone and that was it. Now, of course, you guys, you know, that wasn't it. You know that when my phone went back on, I had a bunch of text messages, a bunch of voicemails, a bunch of 911s, because that can be, I, that's confusing to somebody. I drop him off at the airport, you know, five days before that. Okay, see ya. Everything's not fine, but I'm not packing stuff. And I managed to get everything packed and moved out. It continued from there. There were weird things he would do, like opening my mail that would still come there, which of course is a crime and he's an attorney. You think he'd be a little smarter. Changing subscription addresses on my magazines. Then I got actual physical magazines. So weird shit like that would happen. And I actually physically ran into him a couple months later at Target. I was walking down the aisle. I had a lot of speed going because I was grabbing my shower gel and I took the corner saw him. He didn't see me. And I thought, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? Because I'm going too fast to stop. I don't want to talk to him. I have to do something. And in that split second, I was like, fuck him. I live here. I'm getting my shower gel. Grab the shower gel. He actually walked into me because the dummy was looking down at his phone and not paying attention. Ran into him. I kept going. I didn't even look. I went right over to the saline solution aisle. I crouched down to pretend I was looking at saline and nearly shit my pants because I was so anxious and upset and nervous about it because that was a chapter I left behind. After a minute or two, I didn't see him. I went to get in line to pay for my shower gel and my phone starts going off with text messages. And I think, oh my God, he's texting me because he saw me. And I try to be cool, get outside. Turns out it was my mom. But that fear, I lived with that anxiety of that situation for a long time. He was manipulative and wanted things to be his way. And once I met his mom, I saw why. Because he wanted this image of like good stuff and positive stuff and successful stuff. 
And I know for a fact that he won't be able to live as who he really is until she dies. And he will finally be free if he even understands what is going on and what he's doing. That was really, really long, really complicated, a lot to it. There's a lot more to it, too. I mean, it was really a very difficult time. I learned a lot of lessons. If, you know, if you're having struggles with your relationship with your parents, kind of check yourself and see how you're bringing that into your current relationships. And remember that you don't live for them. You're living for you. And whoever you are, it's okay. It doesn't matter if it's what your parents would want you to be or not. It's weird that as adults, we still kind of revert to acting like kids and want their approval. But you have to be able to be who you are. And I mean, this guy, yeah, he's an attorney. Yeah, he has some money and he's, you know, has a good job. But he's a complete fucked up disaster emotionally and emotionally um, when you think about maturity because of his mom and how she continues to behave. It taught me a lot of lessons. I'm a lot more cautious now. I ask a lot more questions. I don't ignore the red flags. I was very fortunate to have a lot of resources. So I got out of the situation relatively unscathed, you know, a little upset about it, confused, shaken up, if you will. But pretty much my life got better after I walked away from that. I had opportunities that I never would have had. And everything turned out perfectly. And it was a really important lesson. If you are letting your issues with your parents, everybody, again, talks about daddy issues. Look at your mommy issues. Don't bring them into relationships. She was literally the mom from hell. I felt bad for him that that was his mother because she was so selfish and so angry and just completely self-absorbed. And here's her kid, who's kind of an asshole too, and it's no surprise. There's more to that. He was actually giving my sorority sister money. We'll get into that in a whole new podcast. They may or may not have a kid together. That's, I, I'm not sure. I, uh, you know, if uh, maybe, but uh, we will get to that later. I think that's kind of enough to unpack for today. But check your relationships, check who you're dealing with, and don't live your life based on what your mom wants you to be. Live your life based on who you are. Be authentic. Your life will be so much better. You won't be screwed up right? You'll learn lessons and move on from them instead of letting them just kind of completely destroy you. All right, everybody, that was a lot. Thanks for sticking with me. I'll see you on the next episode of the Dating Disasters podcast.